Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. All right, good morning. Welcome this morning. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, I'm glad that, glad that you're here. Look at the second choice. You know the person on the other side said, I'm glad that you're here too. Man, it is so good to see every one of you this morning. As Pastor Luke said, we had a week of youth camp. 574 students were at youth camp this week. Night number one, Monday night, I came in and, and I had been upstairs in the overflow area and it came down for the altar time and the, the speaker gave the altar call and 221 students came forward for a connection and a life change with Jesus Christ on night one. Isn't that incredible? Thank you for those of you that are sponsoring our students to go to camp and be a part of camp. This week for our youth was dynamic. In July, the, the week of the 11th through the 16th, we're taking our young students, our, our elementary age kids to camp. And it's going to be an incredible, incredible time. So thank you so much for praying for them and supporting them and sponsoring them and believing in the next generation. Amen. Amen. I've heard people say, you know, young people don't add anything to the church. All they do is make a mess and tear things apart. And I say, praise God, they're here. Amen. Praise God, they're here. We are glad to have them. We're investing in them. We're believing in our students, believing that God is going to do incredible things. I mean, this week, just to our kids alone, 19 of them said that God radically did a work in their life. Eight of them were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Three of them made a commitment to lifelong um, journey of sharing the gospel in full-time ministry. Man, God is doing some awesome, awesome things here at Encounter Church. But let me back up. Good morning. Welcome so much. Thank, or thank you so much for being here. You are welcome here today. If you are a guest, man, help us get to know you in a greater capacity. I know Pastor Luke talked about it, but grab that Connect card, that welcome card. Help us to get to know you in a greater way. Those of you that are watching online, man, we love you online, but we would love you a lot even more in person. Come in and be a part of what God is doing. Now, how many of you are ready for the Word of God today? Amen. Amen. Well, we are in a series, 17 weeks into a series that we're processing through the book of Acts. Early on, someone said, well, pastor, that's a long time to be in a series. You see, we're taking six months to go through the book of Acts. Why are we doing that? We're doing that because that's where we're discovering. How do we really put into motion? How do we really grab a hold of this calling that Jesus has set before us to multiply, to go into all the world, to share the good news of Jesus everywhere? How do we put that into motion? in 2022. We see it unfolding in the book of Acts. Week after week, we see God doing some absolutely incredible things in the hearts and lives and through his church. Now, last week, let me remind you, we talked about how do we move from our seats and move into ministry? How do we motivate ourselves to move beyond just being a receiver 
But how do we begin to transmit that good news of Christ? I share with you that we must connect with our Savior, that we've got to discover our territory and determine to follow through. But today, I want to take us one step further. I don't want to just inspire you and just challenge you and call you to step out of your seats. I will say to you today this, it's too soon to quit. Look at your neighbor and say, it's too soon to quit. See, here's, here's how we function in life. If you're anything like me, you get super excited about something. You get really inspired about something. You jump in with both feet. You're ready to take the bull by the horns, but then you get bored. Come on, anybody else? Or maybe you don't get bored. Maybe it just gets hard. Maybe you face some opposition. Maybe things aren't going as smoothly as you thought they would. Maybe it's not convenient like you thought it would be convenient. Come on, sometimes I'm afraid that as a church of America, we serve God by convenience and not by conviction. Come on, let me say that again. Sometimes we serve God by convenience when it's easy when it doesn't take me too much work, when it doesn't take me out of my comfort zone, when I don't have to do the hard, when I don't have to pick up the heavy, when everything is going smooth, then I'll serve, then I'll go, then I'll be a part. But man, when it's difficult, I'm going to push back. But I would say to you today, it's too soon to quit. So let me take it one step further. Don't quit. Don't quit. You've gotten started, you've gotten motivated, but you've simply gotten comfortable. You see, multiplication will never take place if we settle for the convenient, the comfortable, or the easy. Multiplication will never take place if we settle for the convenience, the comfortable, or the easy. The cost of getting comfortable is too great. Did you know that? The statistics tell us that just here in Sedalia alone, 40% of the population claim no connection whatsoever with Jesus Christ. That's not the county. That's just the city limits, 21,387 people. Out of that, 40% claim no connection with Jesus whatsoever. That's approximately 8,400 people that are lost without Jesus Christ. It's too soon to quit. In Warrensburg, where our other location is, in a community of, of roughly 17, 18, 19,000 people, 61% of them claim no connection with Jesus. That's not counting the college or the military base. So approximately 12,200 people are lost without Jesus. A combination of over 20,000 people in our surrounding area have no affiliation with Jesus Christ whatsoever. What does that mean? That means if they were to die today, they would split the gates of hell wide open. Church, I'm here to tell you it's too soon to quit. It's time for the church to begin to rise. It's time for the church to begin to move forward. It's time for we, the followers of Christ, to begin to multiply for the kingdom of God. 
Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. He said this, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. The harvest is great. 20,000 people. That's a great harvest. Could you imagine if we could just reach 10% of that? 2,000 people. What if we reached 1% of that 200 people? What if we could just reach one? Would it be worth it? I would say yes. Over and over in the Bible, Jesus talks about the one little lost lamb. That that lost child that, that ran away, the prodigal son. And how the father rejoiced when the one that was lost came home. Church, I'm here to tell you today that it's too soon to quit because the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Why did Jesus make such a statement? You see, any time that you're reading the Bible, it's important to understand the full context. We could take this and just read, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And we could say, man, they were great gardeners, and there was a lot of crop in the field, but nobody wanted to harvest the crop. But is that what he's talking about? No, he's talking about lost souls. He's talking about people that in their journey right now, the direction they're heading is a, a life of destruction and ultimate separation from Jesus for all eternity. In fact, let's look at the full context in Matthew chapter 9, beginning verse 35. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, here's what I want you to grab. He had compassion on them. When is the last time that you had compassion for somebody else? When is the last time that you were walking through Walmart, all the chaos of Walmart, and you begin to have compassion for the lives that pass you. You see, he goes on to say this. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. They had no one to lead them. They didn't know the right way. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know how to live that life of hope. That life with a future. And then he goes on to say the harvest is great. But the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Did you see what brought him to this statement? There were so many people that were lost, that were broken, that were confused, that were weary, that were in need of somebody, anybody, to step up 
to lead them and to guide them. Church, it's time that we begin to rise to the occasion. It's time that we stop just settling into comfort mode. Why? Because the harvest is great. And workers are few. Now, more than ever before, it's time for action. Why do I say now more than ever before? Because our time is short. Jesus is coming back. If you haven't noticed, chaos is all around us. The signs are beginning to shine. Jesus is coming back. It's our responsibility, listen carefully, to introduce people to Jesus so that we can populate heaven for all eternity, to give them an opportunity for a life change, to see the broken restored, to see the pieces put back together, to see the families reunited, to see the heart brought back to a right place with Christ. It's time for we, the church, we, the followers of Christ, to rise to the occasion. Why? Because it's too soon to quit. Today, for the next few moments, I want to give you two directives on an early stop. Number one is this. Don't allow the discouragement of others to discount the call of God. Let me say that again. Don't allow discouragement of others to discount the call of God. Here's the question. Have you ever felt that God was calling you to do something? Or or maybe a a passion for something began to well up inside of you and, and you began to kind of talk that out with people around you. You began to share with them, hey, I've been thinking about something or or here's kind of what's stirring on the inside of my life. And the moment you begin to share it with them, the noise, the negativity, the doubters begin to speak around you and suddenly that sound becomes louder than the voice of God. Come on, anybody ever there before? Like six of you. After service, those of you that have never experienced that, please explain. How did you bypass that? Because here's the deal. The moment I get excited, I begin to talk, and there's always going to be somebody, always going to be somebody that says, well, that's just not going to work. Or they're never going to change. You might as well not even talk to them. Right? Come on. But if we could just reach one. If we could just reach one. Maybe it's that co-worker. Maybe it's the, the guy down at the coffee shop, the donut shop. person you see every single morning. What if you just took time to speak into their lives. You see, one of my challenges, one of the things I love to do when I go into a restaurant, with everything that's in me, I try to make the server smile. That's a goal. I don't always achieve that, but that's a goal. Why do I do that? Because I want to give a little spark of hope in their lives. I mean, they face a lot of junk, right? We all do. But why not take the time just to spark a little bit of hope in the lives of those around you. We all have those negative 
voices. We get excited, we get passionate, we get moving along, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere it appears, the noise begins to start. That's what Paul was experiencing here. In fact, the Bible says he got so frustrated with the people in Corinth, he had been sharing with them, and suddenly opposition begins to rise up, and they're now shooting insults his direction. So in the midst of his frustration, what did he do? He got up. The Bible says he shook the dust off of himself, and he declared this to the people in Corinth. Your blood is now on your hands. I'm out. That's what he said. He said, your blood is on your hands. From this point on, I'm only going to talk to the Gentiles. Because you guys aren't appreciative of what's going on. I don't know what brought him to this place. Could it have been fear? Could it have been just frustration? Whatever it was, Paul had had enough with the people in Corinth. But here's what I love. God had a different plan. Aren't you glad when God has a better plan? Come on. Every time that I've had enough, every time that I'm ready to throw in the towel, every time I'm ready to wash my hands of something, God says, "Uh uh-uh, not today. There's still more work to do. It's too soon to quit. Look what he says. Chapter 18, verse 9 and 10. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack or harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. The word that is used here, or three ideas that are used here that I want to really process. Number one, he says, Don't be afraid. How often have you allowed fear to keep you from accomplishing a task that God set before you? Now, I don't know what kind of fear that is. Fear of the unknown, fear of rejection, fear of how someone's going to respond. I don't know what kind of fear that is. And and I really don't know if Paul was fearful or not, but God saw it was enough of an issue that he began to speak into Paul's life, and he says, do not fear. Now, here's an interesting idea or interesting thought on this phrase, do not fear. It is used 365 times in the Bible. Now, let that sink in just for a moment. Somebody help me out. How many days are in a year? 365. How many times are we told, do not fear? 365. Is it a coincidence? I think not. Because I believe that one of the greatest obstacles, one of the greatest noise that we experience in life, one of the greatest hindrances in our walk with Christ and in this journey to multiply is this fact that we fear that which is around us. We're so afraid that somebody is going to say something, that somebody is going to reject us, that somebody is going to mock us, that somebody's going to make fun of us. But Jesus tells us, the Bible tells us 365 times, do not be afraid. I'm here to tell you, you have nothing to fear. Because when fear moves in, 
everything else moves out. Fear and happiness cannot reside in the same heart. Fear and clear thinking cannot live in the same body. Fear and confidence cannot coexist. Fear never cured a disease. Fear never brought a family out of poverty. Fear never won a war. Fear never saved a marriage. Fear never multiplied in a community. Church, it's time for the people of God to begin to rise up in the authority that we have in Christ to fight back against the lies of the enemy. Because the Bible tells me in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given me the spirit of fear. Come on, hold on to that. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Fear is not yours to hold on to. Fear does not have your name on it. Fear does not belong to you. I challenge you, do not accept that which is not yours. Amen. It's not part of your DNA. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, as a a new creation, the Bible says that when we give our lives to Christ, we are a new creation, that that old life is gone, and suddenly there's a new life. This new life, fear is not part of that DNA. So I want to challenge you, push fear aside and embrace the goodness of God. The second thing he says, he says, speak out. Don't be afraid, now speak out. Out. We talked about this word last week. It's literally a word that means to utter a voice or emit a sound. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have a life revolutionizing statement to make. All you need to do is be available. We just sang it a few moments ago. Lord, I'm, I'm available. I may not have the answers. I may not have all the knowledge. But Lord, I'm willing to admit a sound. I'm willing to allow my tongue to be used for your glory. Lord, I'm available to you. The third thing is don't be silent. The word that is used here is the word that refers to an inability to speak or a a stillness. In those moments when you find yourself with a inability to speak maybe maybe god is stirring on your heart maybe you're you're amongst a group of people friends co-workers whatever and god says hey you need to go over and pray for that person over there they're dealing with this or dealing with that and you're like i don't know what if i'm wrong what if i don't have the right word to say you know what that's okay there have been many times in life that i'll walk up to somebody and go you know i feel like god wants me to to share this with you. I don't know if this is going to make any sense to you at all or not, but I'm just trying to be faithful to God. If this makes sense to you, man, receive it. If it doesn't make sense to you, just consider I'm a crazy person and I'll walk away. It'll be okay. But there are times that God's stern in us to to say something or or have that conversation or, or pray with that individual, but for some reason or another, we're silenced. It's almost as if we have this inability to speak, that, that suddenly our tongue is paralyzed, that, that we're kind of flatlining, you know what I'm saying? You don't know what to do. 
Man, here God says, don't be silent. Don't, don't allow the enemy to, to take you off course. Don't allow his lies to resonate in your mind. But follow that which God has called you to do. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we not be afraid? How do we speak out? How do we uh, re- resist the urge to be silent? Well, it's the, the fourth thing that Paul was shared or was told. God is with you. I want you to wrap around this truth this morning. You are not in this journey alone. You're not in this journey alone. Again, look at your neighbor this morning and say, you've got a friend in me. Come on. I, I mean, I saw smiles all across this house. I saw faces light up all across this house. Why is that? Because I feel like sometimes we try journeying through life alone and we feel like we're by ourselves. We don't really feel like we can function. But just to know, I've got a friend and they're right beside me. But you know something greater than that? We've got a friend in Jesus. And he promises to be with us at all times, at every moment, never to leave us, never to abandon us, to walk, but to walk side by side with us every single step of the way. So we've got one another, and we've got God. What was our first directive? Don't allow the discouragement of others to discount the call of God. And then we see this second directive, and it's this. Don't discount what God has equipped. Don't discount what God has equipped. Now, if you continue reading in Acts chapter 18, we run across this Jewish man by the name of Apollos. Verse 24 and 25, we have his account, and here's what it says. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria and Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. Now, let me help you remember, John preceded Jesus. Do you remember John? He was the one that was saying, repent of your sins. Repent and be baptized. Right? John was the one in the wilderness. He said, I'm here to prepare a way for the Lord, for the one that I'm not worthy of untying his sandals, the one that will baptize you in fire. I'm baptizing in water, but he'll baptize in fire. So Apollos had been trained under John the Baptist. So here he is. He comes on the scene, and he doesn't really understand It sounds like he wasn't there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. He wasn't one of the ones filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't have this new boldness, but he was preaching and teaching, repent, repent, and be baptized. Now, here's my question. Is he qualified to really preach the message of Christ? Because the Bible says, sure, he he knew the scriptures, but he only knew of 
John's baptism. So he didn't know what God had been doing. He didn't know of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't really preaching all of that. And, and so something was missing in his delivery. Is he qualified to preach? In modern culture, many would say, no, he's not qualified. He didn't seem to have all the right answers. But here's the problem. We are so quick to discount what God has already equipped. As a people, we're so quick to push away what God has set in motion. But does that mean that we accept anyone and everyone and let them do anything and everything? No. you, you got to keep reading here. Now remember a moment ago, I talked about context, Right? We could take this scripture and go, man, Apollos was doing great things, and they just accepted the fact that he was preaching something different. I've talked to pastors before from other denominations, and man, this one, they brought in somebody that was a different denomination of them with different um, doctrinal beliefs, brought them on staff. And I said, hey, man, how's that work? And this pastor said to me, well, we just kind of accept anything and everything. Church, if you accept anything and everything, you'll fall for anything and everything. Come on. Someone of you need to hold on to that. If you just, well, you know, there's any way to heaven, any any way you want to go. If you want to make God this, if you will make God that, if you want to go. No, there's one way to the Father through Jesus Christ who came as a baby in a manger lived a sinless life, died on a cross of Calvary, was raised from the grave, is now in heaven preparing a way for us. He sent the Holy Spirit so that we might have a power, a power to to live a righteous life, a power to move forward, a power to share the good news. Why? Because it's too soon to quit. Let's look at this. What did they do? So here they have Apollos, a, a man that is an eloquent speaker, He's well-versed in the Bible. He's been doing a great job. It just He doesn't seem to have all the right answers. Do they push him out the door? No, if you read verse 26, one verse later, it says, When Priscilla and Aquila, this is a wife and a husband, heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. So suddenly there was a a mentor that stepped on the scene. Suddenly there was a a partner in ministry. There was a a covering in ministry. For me, I've got our district network superintendent. I can call him at any time. I've got pastor friends. I can call at any time. And we share these things and we we grow together. We, We mature together. Why? Because we are so much better together than we are all alone. Amen? Amen? All right. So uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila took the time to invest in Apollos in order to help him to grow spiritually so that what he was living and teaching matched the truth of the way of God. Now for us, how does this compute? How does this connect with us in 2022 here at Encounter Church? What does this look like for us, as we dive into this idea of multiply in all areas of our life as a church and in our community, in our relationship with one another, relationship with God, 
Here's what it comes down to. We want the Bible to be the foundation of all that we say and all that we do. And let me be honest with you, an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning isn't enough. Come on, look at your neighbor say, it's not enough. An hour and 15 on a Sunday morning is not enough. Man, because we spend so much more time watching sitcoms, watching trash on TV, searching the internet. Some of you spend a whole lot more time on Facebook. Come on. You're getting your doctrine from TikTok. Come on. You, you laugh, but it's true. You laugh, but it's true. Man, we hear something on social media like, oh, that must be the truth. Nine times out of ten, it's not. It's just somebody trying to get likes. Man, you'll say anything you want to get a like. I could tell you the McRib is bad and you give me likes, but that wouldn't be the truth. Let me move on. By the way, my wife said I've got to stop using McRib as an illustration. Should we vote? No, let's not. So, so what do we do here at Encounter Church? In order to, to help allow the, the Bible to be our, our foundation and our root, there's a few things that we're going to do. One, we've got our life groups that meet. Man, I want to challenge you this fall, get plugged into a life group. We've got ministry for every age. We just started a brand new 50 plus, I'm sorry, 55 plus. Man, I'm so glad they did that because I'm embarking upon 50 So 55-plus ministry that we're just kicking off. Man, that thing's going strong. We've got youth. We've got young adults. We've got young families. We've got an area for every one of you to connect and be a part. But we've also got our grow track. Pastor Luke alludes to it every single Sunday morning. It's the on-ramp to everything in Counter Church. In grow track, you're going to discover who we are as a church, who you are as a follower of Christ. What are your spiritual giftings? You're going to dive deep head first into this relationship with God. And then that's going to lead you into plugging into a ministry. Why is this important? Because we plug into a ministry, we're rubbing shoulders with one another. We're learning from one another. As you plug into a ministry, we're going to connect you with a coach in our E one to one, which is our mentoring program. And in that, they're going to walk side by side with you, helping you in this journey. And we're going to grow together. We're going to mature together. Why? So that we can multiply at a greater pace than ever before. Because it's too soon to quit. We do all of this because here at Encounter Church, no one walks alone. We walk together in this process. You see, God had been stirring this idea in Apollos' mind. He just needed the encouragement from those around him. Verse 27 and 28 says, Apollos had been thinking about going to Archaea. And the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. Come on, he had been thinking about going. He had been processing the idea of going. But I'm sure there were doubters. I'm sure there were naysayers. He simply needed the encouragement from those around him, from his church family, to help him go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be a great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate, using the scriptures 
to explain to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, some of this knowledge, some of this understanding would not have been possible if Priscilla and Aquila had not partnered with him to help him to learn and to mature. So what do we do? We don't discount what God has equipped, but we step in, we partner with it, and we watch what God does. Really quick as we wrap up this morning, I want to look at Paul, and then I want to look at Apollos, two truths that we find in the early church. Number one is this, Paul made himself available. I would challenge you, make yourself available. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted, say acquainted, acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tin makers just as he was. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Three things that Paul did. Number one, he went. So there was a stirring in his heart. He responded to that stirring. He chose to step out. He went to Corinth. He made himself available. And Ryland, if you'll come. Number two, he became acquainted. Now, why, do, why do I, am I telling you that? Because I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I've had people make this comment to me. No one ever talks to me. No one ever talks to me. I come in every week and no one ever talks to me. Now, Paul had to make himself acquainted. Come on. Sometimes we can sit in our own little corner. We can come in early and we sit in the very back corner all by ourselves in the shadows. We don't look up. We don't look around. And then after service, what do we do? I can't believe nobody talked to me this morning. The reason they didn't talk because you didn't make yourself available. Oh, sure, we can all do a better job of greeting one another and talking to one another, but you got to make yourself available. Conversation takes two. Right? Come on. Don't be a hater. I love you. I love you. But I love you too much not to tell you the truth. I got to tell you the truth. See, we all have a role to play. Paul had to make himself available. Paul had to go. Paul had to become acquainted. And then what did he do? He spent his time preaching. Now, his full-time job was making tents. But in his spare time, he shared the good news of Jesus. Because he grabbed a hold of the heart of God, and that's to multiply. And he realized it's too soon to quit. And then we have Apollos, 
Apollos took a step of obedience. He had been listening to and processing this call of God and he stepped out in obedience to follow that voice. And number two, he responded to God's call. You see, sometimes we stop at the listening. We hear the call. It's stirring, but the noise gets so loud that we just back up. Apollos responded to the call. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Come on. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. You see, we can't come in here on a Sunday morning and, and hear a message and maybe laugh a couple times and amen a time or two or maybe even take notes and walk out the door and say, well, that was fun. If we don't do what it says, we're just, we're just fooling ourselves. We're missing the points. We can't be guilty of just hearing a message and walking out the door. We've got to become a people of action. I've shared this over the last few weeks. And I'm going to continue to share it. It's a, a statement that as a staff, we're taking on, and I challenge you to take it on as well. We must take on the hard and the heavy to make it easy for the one. We've got to do what's difficult. We've got to do what's not convenient. We've got to do what takes us out of our comfort zone. Why? So that the one can come in. So that we make a way for them. I want to challenge you today. Don't just be a spectator. Don't just sit on the sidelines. It's too soon to quit. Would you pray with me today? God, I pray with every person. Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.